This episode of the Order 66 podcast brought to you by the generous donations of Kevin Malone, Donald Weller, B. Witzel, Andy Bethel, Darren Hampton, Trevor Hill, and William Sullivan, as well as lots of viewers and listeners like you. Broadcast live, you're listening to the Order 66 podcast. Brought to you by Gamer Nation Studios, D20 Radio, and Wayne Basta, author of the Aristia series of novels. What's up, Gamer Nation? GM Chris here, back on the mic um, after a short hiatus. Um, and you are listening to the Order 66 podcast, the original podcast entirely devoted to Star Wars role-playing. And I missed you all, my, my friends, last episode, but of course, uh, my, my fellow co-hosts uh, were there to, gosh, take up the slack and be the awesome that they are. And those co-hosts are, are here, uh, Mr. GM Dave and GM Phil. Gentlemen, what is up? Hello. Hey. Hello. Ah, uh, Phil, how you doing, man? Well, two weeks ago, I was sweating my sack off in the, during a heat wave, and now I've got the heater going, and it's very kind of cold outside. So, welcome to New England, folks. New England <laughs> in the fall. I'm doing good. I'm 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 doing good. Um, just feeling better, having a having a having a decent month thus far. So. Well, that's good. How about yourself? I'm recovering from travel. Um, <laughs> my whirlwind trip of northern Europe. <laughs> yes. How about you, Dave? Well, you know, I'm just doing, you know? You doing? I'm doing. I'm doing. I had some, uh, I don't know. We're going to, maybe we'll save it for post, maybe not, but I... Uh, I uh, am, am very, very displeased at some happenings that happened on the pitch over the weekend. Oh, my. <clears throat> oh, my. Well, let's, let's save that for post because I, I'd love to talk about some. Well, it was an interesting day for sports, so I'd love to talk about it in post if we have time. Sure. Um, so it was very good. Um, but, uh, yeah, man, I'm I'm excited and glad to be back. I'm anxious to get into this episode. I, I, had, I had really I had a lot of fun with our topic tonight. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, so I, I hope you guys did, too. Um, but I'd, I'd really like to get into it. So do y'all want to get into some announcements? Okay. Okay. Hello there. What have we here? Good news. announcements um so i haven't even caught up on the episode last week i'm assuming you guys announced the uh, the newest podcast to join the network yes dice for brains we did as a matter of fact but we can plug them again if you want to or we can talk about 
say, for example, the Grim Dark podcast oh released, my. quoth the Raven. I love the episode title. <laughs> I, I, I love they had a they had like a Death Watch episode and they like totally killed it. And they decided to talk about the developments around 40K RPGs. And but, you know, anyway, quoth the Raven nevermore. <laughs> nice. Yeah. So that's the Grim Dark podcast. You can check them out. Um, they released episode 73 on September 3-0. That was just a couple of days ago. Yeah. Yep. And uh, yeah, so you can, of course find them and all these other wonderful podcastuses here on uh, www.d20radio.com absolutely you guys know that uh, ffg is now officially parting ways with the warhammer universe right yeah i saw that yeah that's yeah hence the nevermore <laughs> yeah uh, i mean that's 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 a huge announcement they had a long good run together but yeah i'm interested to see where it goes next but yeah it's it's there because um, you know it's going somewhere. Because you know it's going somewhere. <laughs> you know it's going somewhere. Well, okay, so speaking of FFG news, I mean, Phil, do we got anything, man? We did, we did. I wasn't sure if we were going to get anything. And then at the end of the day on Friday, they gifted us with yet another article for Endless Vigil, the Sentinel career book. Uh, the tone, uh, and in the article, that it really, really gives the tone the how-to-be-Batman vibe. And I mean that 70s and 80s era, world's greatest detective by night, philanthropist playboy by day vibe. You know, not the, not the grim, dark Batman, you know, not to use that, you know, not to pull that around again. But uh, not this grim and dark Batman, but like, you know, the detective, the, the investigator aspect, and the leading the whole double life aspect. I'm really psyched about this book. I can't get my hands on this soon enough. Uh, they finally told us what the three species are that are in the book. The moon... You'll remember them as the tall people, uh, the, the very tall, the light, lanky race from um, from Mutalist. Yeah. Uh, the Pantoran, which is one that folks have been waiting for. It was a race that was introduced in the Clone Wars, kind of the blue skin with kind of goldish uh, 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 accents on markings on their face. And a, a favorite of mine and a return from the core rulebook of, the, uh, uh, of uh, Edge of the Empire, the Gand. Uh, they also gave us some details on the specs that are in the book, the Investigator, the Sentry, and the Racer. They even teased a new morality combination, Frugality and Condemnation. Weird. So that's not huh. interesting. That's interesting. Yeah, it was tied in with the Investigator and the, moon, the paragraph that talks about the moon and the Investigator. So uh, you, know, you know that whole, you know, you're working for the banking clan, but you know, you're some kind of vigilante or something along those lines. Could oh, be interesting. Okay, okay. So the moon, I remember the moon now. They were in that short scene in like uh, episode two, like you know, yep. the the banking clan will support your treaty. Those guys. Exactly, uh, Sam Hill and the that, banking clan will sign your, your treaty. treaty. Yeah, yeah, that's the only thing he said. Okay, yep. okay, 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 okay. Then a little bit more in the Getty Tagesky um, uh, uh, Clone Wars too. They're a little bit in there, a bit more. Uh, but yeah, so those are the species, those are the races, uh, specs, and uh, the little tease of morality. Uh, it says to pre-order Endless Vigil from your local retailer now, which tells you that we should have this book in our hot little hands by the end of the month. End of month. End of month. Which fits because that's the end of quarter three. That's true. 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 Hey, that's perfect. That's well. No, it's not. Oh right. No. No. Right. We're in quarter Beginning four now. Quarter four. Ooh, they're late. Boom boom. <sighs> Tardiness, tardiness will not be tolerated on this show. <laughs> that would be a first. <laughs> <laughs> but 
anyway, you can find that article right now at fantasyflightgames.com. <laughs> and while you're surfing about the interwebs, be sure to dock your cursor over at www.d20radio.com, the only gaming blog that operates free of space slug infestation, where the most talented writers and contributors continue to bring you the best fan-generated content on the web. Um, a couple highlights from this week. Uh, our very own Linda Whitson brings us the first part of a full Age of Rebellion module that she is releasing in article form. Uh, Little Lost Girl, uh, complete with outlines, narration text, and full NPC stats. Cannot wait for the rest of the mod. Um, but the, the, first, uh, the first chapter, so to speak, enough to run a really solid session, is right there now. Um, also, new writer Brian Wilson uh, showed up to wow us with the I first... I they all could, could be... Wait a second, what? Munalist girls. Because uh, uh, <clears throat> they, they will sign your treaty. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, Brian Wilson, uh, not that Brian Wilson, but our Brian Wilson, uh, wowed us with the first in a four-part series, 10 Simple Rules for a New GM. Uh, where he digs into the roles and actions for a new GM. Uh, this time focusing on picking up a ga- picking a game system that is right for you and your group. Uh, really good article. Can't wait to read more of that. Uh, and you guys can find all of this and more daily with daily content. Brand spanking new over at www.d20radio.com. And while you're there, of course, mm-hmm. on the right-hand side of the page, you'll find a couple little cool little buttons. Uh, one of them is a link to our forum community, which is still popping, locking, and uh, doing all those other cool, like, you know, hip-hop-inspired dance moves. And um, the other little button will take you to our Patreon, or you can, of course, just head to patreon.com slash d20radio, where if you guys are a fan of the podcast, you're a fan of the network and the shows we produce, and you want to continue to to help us out, honestly, guys, just a, a couple dollars a month will help us keep the servers humming. Um, and most importantly, as we say, uh, continue to keep our blog authors paid for the content they write, which is very important to us. Uh, so there is that. Wahoo. Because they're now available in sober. <laughs> <laughs> That's a rare thing. It's a very rare thing. So, yeah. Uh-huh. So what, Dave? Social media plug? Uh yeah, dude, go Facebook, Twitter, whatever. At D20 Radio. At the Twitters. At GM Chris, at GM Dave, at Darth GM. I mean, any way you want to follow us, you can follow us. Although I will tell you that Facebook page is garnering more and more and more and more support for the Order 66 podcast, the actual page, uh, Facebook page, as well as the D20 Radio page. But still, we've got a real nice segregation going on there. We do, and I, I kind of like it. And so, obviously, GM Hulu has been managing our, our uh, the Order sixty six podcast Facebook page um, very well. We that discussion has stayed very Order sixty six focused, and the D twenty Radio group still remains like you know, Facebook remains you know the group for the whole network and a lot of just generic geek discussion. And I'm yeah, I really enjoy how our our fans are really it, it helps keeping track of things easier. <laughs> mm. Um, for damn sure. So that is that. All right, guys. Well, um, shall we perhaps get to some uh, Star Wars Adventures of the Week? Yes. Let's do it. Let's uh, let's check in with SWRPG Adventures. Uh, stop down for about a minute for the most informative 140 characters or less on the internet with SWRPG's Adventure of the Week. Welcome to Star Wars Adventures of the Week, 
brought to you by SWRPG Adventures on Twitter this week. An insect infestation on a rebel ship turns sinister as a crewman is found dead. The hive itself is a sentient assassin sent by the Empire. This has been Star Wars Adventures of the Week, brought to you by SWRPG Adventures. For more adventure ideas and 140 characters or less, be sure to follow SWRPG Adventures on Twitter. And remember, keep adventuring! Very good, very good. Uh, It's good to have him back, too. He was, uh, I think, on a short hiatus for some vacation. Um, so we had a few well days. Deserved. Yeah, it was very well deserved. Um, we had a few days, uh, where we didn't get one from him. And, uh, obviously he's got his own website now that, that's still up that we talked about uh, a few episodes ago where, yeah. you know, it, it takes, it's like a random crawl that shows you the adventure seed. I love it. So <laughs> very cool. SWRPGadventures.com. Um, well, gents, do you want to, uh, I mean, anything else you want to talk about before we get into the meat of this here show? I don't know about Dave, but I think we should saddle up. Oh my, we should saddle up, Dave. You ready? You ready to get some saddling up? Yeah, and before we do that, I want to take just a moment to bow our heads and wish a, a very strong condolences to um, eighty. And uh, just say that your lads got killed this weekend, 17 to 11. <laughs> Sorry. Oh, wow. Man. Well, maybe maybe, uh, maybe uh, AD can, can marshal up some justice for her, her fallen lads uh, mm. tonight. Yes. So let's do this. Uh, I mean, I don't think we have a catchy title for this one yet. Maybe we'll come up with something, I don't know, towards the show end. <laughs> um, we but do have a bunch of people in Echo Base who can help us with that problem. <clears throat> we 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 certainly are, um, because it, it is it is time yet again, Gamer Nation, to walk the Oso Special Walk and talk the Oso Special Talk as we return to our recurring segment, Well, Isn't That Special, uh, devoted to showcasing the awesomeness of the game, one specialization at a time. Uh, we drive heavy into a single spec, talking about the best way to play it, build it, what to care about, what to avoid, and then we culminate by taking our own advice to task and competing against each other in a build-off competition. So tonight's spec has been requested actually for a long time. If you go back to the um, uh, the forum polls, the original polls on the forums... This guy's always been up there in, like, the top ten. Um, but it, it's finally inched its way up into really higher standing in both the forum and the Facebook polls. Yep. Um, and that would be the Colonist Marshall specialization. This gritty, stubbled lawman is sometimes the only thing separating order from chaos on the Outer Rim. And is highly unusual in terms of his core competency and his archetypal role. Uh, creating a character who combines smooth talking with a rawhide grit. So shake the mud off your leather dusters, Gamer Nation. Set that cigar stub firmly between your stubbly cheeks 
and sling that blaster low as we bring the law to the marshal tonight on your Order 66 podcast. And what makes you so special? In my book, experience outranks everything. Great kid! Don't get cocky! I'm looking forward to completing your training. I don't know where you get your delusions, laser brain. I will be the most powerful Jedi ever. Well, isn't that special? Ah. <laughs> All right, guys. So, the Marshal. Yes, indeed. Phil, what can you tell us about it? All right, Gamer Nation. Open up your copies of Far Horizons, a source book for colonists, to page 28. And you will find an odd specialization for the career that it falls in. Uh, that being the colonist career. A career normally associated with the softer side of skills and habits of a Star Wars character. Such as smooth talking or academia. But the Marshal is a hard character. One with a tough side. This makes him a natural leader for a combat-focused party. As well as a tougher, combat-capable PC for a more socially-focused group. All around, the Marshal is a very versatile choice, as we'll discuss later on. Yeah, surprisingly so. Hmm. But getting into about to playing a Marshal and, and talking about what they're about and what do they care about, well, the Marshal's abilities and skills lend themselves to a certain kind of playstyle and, and character goals. And the fluff around their concept is steeped in some great tropes. Um... Chris, what would you say is the the first trope that we can talk about when it comes to a marshal? Well, you are a point of law in a lawless place. Um, I mean, it it might seem odd for a colonist spec, kind of like you said, but you got to keep in mind that the the root concept of the colonist career are those characters who've sort of traveled to the outer reaches of the galaxy to make their own way. And the Outer Rim is a really dangerous place. And in such settlements, they need traders and entrepreneurs and doctors and politicos, but they also need staunch protectors just to kind of keep everything peaceful. You know what I mean? Staunch. Staunch. I said it. Staunch. Mm. Um, it's a great PC name. Staunch. <laughs> it is. He's a moon. <laughs> He's a moon. Staunch will sign your treaties. Uh, yeah. yeah I'm, I really need to let that go. That's, it's not funny anymore, is it? <laughs> wow. Yeah, it's not like women and the children, you know? It, it's... No. no. Ah, I was about to go there, too. Uh, I was like, oh, sorry, man. But not just for the women. <laughs> the women. Not just for the men. <laughs> for the women and the children. Uh, <clears throat> but... Yeah, I mean, the you know, the Marshals is a point of law in this lawless place. They they typically have a great concern for keeping the peace and, and defending the helpless or the innocent, um, or at the very least, protecting their community. You know what I mean? Um, and keeping it, you know, vibrant and at least free from from riffraff. Um, though I think I think a destroyed community um, or a major threat to that community might be a really excellent backstory as to why a marshal chose to leave said community behind and maybe join an adventuring party. It could. It, it, it really could. Ah, there might be a story like that soon. Might be. There, there may be. Maybe it might be. I mean, but, what, but <clears throat> what, what is this? this? This is the image of the local sheriff, right? This is that, 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 that first really strong archetypal point for the marshal. You know, the, you know, you, you come into my town, right? 
or you or, or they ride into your town in pursuit of some outlaw. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's 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 another good one. Um, you know, the as far as the the last thing to talk about with that particular point of of you know being a, a beacon of law and order, um, you really can't really talk about this spec without mentioning the very famous from a Star Wars Legends and lore perspective, uh, the Sector Rangers. Yeah. Um, they're perfect for this. They really are. Uh, you know, Marshall's a great specialization for someone who wants to be a sector ranger, uh, which are basically the 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 Interpol or the if you're if you're in the U.S. and you know what this is, uh, the U.S. Marshals uh, <laughs> of of the galaxy. Um, sort of these inter interjurisdictional lawmen. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's a uh, you know when, when you talk about about what marshals are about, that that sort of lawman is is one thing they really have to keep. At the forefront, so yeah. they're the FSB. The yes, <laughs> the FSB. Yeah, duh. <laughs> so, <clears throat> what what else? I mean, does the Marshall character? I mean, care about what what defines them? I mean, well, they're leaders. They're natural leaders. They have high charisma. Well, sort of. They can, I guess. They're really, a leader, but a support character, right? So it's strange. Uh, um. But true that the Marshal is actually a superb support character, as a lot of face characters are, right? Yeah. So this is good cop, bad cop talents that are really made for you to assist other characters or work with them. And I mean, you really you can even take them out on their own. But, you know, the combination of being good in combat and good at social makes this a natural type of leader for, for, for really any party. I mean, you can work on your own and you can work in tandem with everyone else. So it's, uh, you know, accomplish tricky social encounters using good cop, bad cop, and then go out on your own and shoot somebody. So, I mean, it's pretty, it's well, it's well-rounded in my opinion. <laughs> yeah, it is, uh, shockingly good. Shockingly good. Mm. Okay. So, so, uh, point of law in a lawless place, uh, natural leader, natural support character. Uh, I mean, what's, what's next? What, 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 what else really defines this character? Well, quite simply, that words are better than a blaster. Okay. Well, look at it this way. You're talking about a colonist spec, so the marshal has its roots in social skills, and those skills are a key part of the character's efforts to keep the peace. I mean, if your first instinct is to shoot the bad guys, this probably isn't the spec for you. <laughs> this, this spec is all about interrogating those bad guys, scaring them out of town, or chasing down leads in an investigation. The skills that you do get access to and a bunch of the talents to call, that couples with them makes you a strong communicator. It's typically focused in one avenue of social skills, you know, either aggressive or defensive uses. Um, you really want to decide how your character handles things as a marshal because it's going to affect the skills you ultimately focus in on and the characteristics that drive them. You could start with a, okay, let's call it the cool hand Luke type where you build a character with high presence and focus on charm and leadership, negotiation, and cool. You're affable with an easy smile, and you can usually talk nicely to anyone while brandishing your blaster. Right. <laughs> then you've got the sort of wily former bad guy type, who is focused on cunning, which gives you deception and streetwise and perception. He knows the criminal underworld because he used to live in it, or live at the periphery of it. He knows how it works. So that's what he's, his focus on, and his talents and skills will leverage towards that. Finally, you've got the Clint Eastwood. Guy focused on willpower, coercion, 
discipline, vigilance. Quick on the draw and extremely intimidating. The, the classic grizzled lawman. <laughs> so, Dirty Harry, Death Wish. <laughs> yeah, and and uh, and and a variety of his um uh, of his uh, of his westerns as well. Yeah, it's perfect for that. Totally. Um, and you're also a character that can be very hard to put one over on, and the character who can always sniff out a lie. That that's that's just handy for every every path you take. Yeah. Now, so you talked about the fact that you know for this kind of character, words are better than a blaster, but Dave. Our next point is pretty important too. Yeah, dude, you uh, you <laughs> you damn well better be able to handle a blaster. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, <clears throat> I mean, there's the whole sticks and stones thing, but um, sooner or later you got to throw a little bit more in a stone. Let's face it; sometimes you can't cure stupid. <laughs> you know, you're, you, you and someone's gonna right. troll you. You yeah. damn right. No, I mean, you know what, being. Um, being the politico is uh, only gets you so far, but you uh, sometimes you do have to pull the smoke wagon and go to work. Mm. You know, and you better be able to back up your words, those important words with blaster fire if you need to, right? Yeah. And then, uh, yeah, the chat room's talking about unrelenting skeptic. You'll see that in my build coming up soon. <laughs> nice. But uh, you know, this is um, <clears throat> this is a little bit unlike. The some of the other colonist specs because the marshal really has some strong combative capabilities and you can be a a really a, a more than decent small arms combatant uh, and then you you know and bottom line you just have to make sure you can handle that weapon so if you're working in a combative party you want to make sure you can pull your own weight and if you're working in a social party you want to make sure you can defend your comrades right yeah yeah now <clears throat> all of this leads to characteristic choices everything we've talked about. And, you know, uh, especially what Phil said. So what characteristics are really going to be paramount for such a build? Um, kind of as we've said, it depends. First and foremost, you're going to want to pick usually a social skill characteristic. The problem the problem with this build, if you tr- – I mean, and, and, and some others. Like, I, I, keep, I keep thinking of, of Bounty Hunter is often suffers from this problem, um, yeah. mo- most of its specs. But the idea is you, you can't be good at everything the build will try and make you good at. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, so, yes, you're a character that can benefit from an incredibly high presence and an incredibly high cunning and an incredibly high willpower. And you can burn all your XP just trying to get those up there. Or you can just make the smart choice and kind of, as Phil said earlier, kind of pick the type of martial you want to play um, and really focus on that and pour your XP into bumping one of those big three social stats. Focus on either presence, cunning, or willpower. Pick a primary social skill characteristic. Stick with it. It's, it's as Phil said, going to inform the kind of character you play um, as well in terms of skill choices. Um, you know, if you focus on presence, like Phil said, you're going to be this charmer and negotiator. Cunning, if you're going to want to be more of the tall tales type, this is the way to go. Also extremely important for beating the streets, uh, for info on a case, if you're doing a little bit more detective style character, um, and observing the world around you as uh, both streetwise and, pre- and uh, perception key off cunning. And willpower, while not the sexiest choice, <laughs> mm. it is the Clint Eastwood choice, okay? Yeah. Um, this drives, I mean, the only social skill this really drives is coercion, but you can live on that in this build. Um, and also vigilance, which is extremely important for pistol duels, <laughs> which matters, you know, for quick on the, being quick on the draw, 
um, and discipline, which can power a handy set of talents we'll come to later. So bottom line, you want to typically pick a social characteristic, one of those three, and get it to at least three. Um, if you can afford to have two of them at three, great, all the better, but at least one of them needs to be focused on. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> and then after that, uh, you really need to, uh, I mean, you need to bump up agility. <laughs> right. I mean, your skill set gets you, your skill set makes you a gunfighter. Your talent set makes you, as Dave said, a better than decent gunfighter. So boost that damn agility at least to a three. Uh, you gotta be able to handle yourself. I mean, you could do okay with a two in agility, maybe with a few threes and multiple social characteristics instead, but then you'd better plan on having some solid ranks in range light to make up for your, your low characteristic rating. So, you know, yeah, it's, it's, it's there. Um, right on. So what about skills? Well, the characteristic choices that you choose are really going to drive the skills for your marshal, who has a wonderfully diverse skill list. Uh, pretty much the only thing lacking are techie skills and piloting skills, though with a decent agility, you can just fake that. <laughs> for the career skills, you've got charm, deception, core worlds, education, lore, leadership, negotiation, and streetwise. Beautiful set. The knowledge skills are a, a bit atypical for this build. Um, your first choices should probably be in social skills that best correspond with the characteristic choices, though Streetwise is always a great choice for a detective or a lawman, especially if you're going with a cunning build. Uh, and for your specializations, you're getting a list that really broadens the character out. You get coercion, adding that last social skill to the list, knowledge underworld, ranged light, and vigilance. Um, if you're going to focus on combat, free ranks and range, light, and vigilance make a lot of sense. But a willpower-focused marshal might seriously consider coercion as well. Yeah. Um, additionally, although intellect is not your strength, a good marshal would probably have a rank or two of knowledge underworld, just to know the criminal element. So. That makes imminent good sense. Mm. Um, <clears throat> okay, so uh, instead of an exhaustive list... Um, I mean, Dave. When it comes to species, I mean, what are we what are we looking at here? Well, there's there's a lot to choose from. I mean, really, you know, to be really simple about it, you just want to focus on a a species that ideally will boost your primary show social stat or maybe even a few of them. Um, I'd say what about half. The species so far fit that build. So, <laughs> I mean, there's, you know, there's just, um, Wookiee might be a tough one to sell because, you know, you just want to avoid the ones that are focusing on brawn or intellect. Mm -hmm. And, you know, neither characteristic is going to be your big one. Right. So, you know, I'm not entirely sure that Mon Calamari is going to be your choice there, but, um, you never know. I don't know. You can make it work. You can make it work. I think a Wookiee Marshal would be a pretty badass character if you can pull it off. Be a hilarious character. Well, yeah, if, if you're going to be using coercion, then, I mean, yeah, you can do whatever you want to with it. And you're a big-ass brawn guy anyway, so. Yeah. I think that's kind of the point, is that there's, uh, there's it's almost uh, too hard to find a species that w that couldn't work as it, because you could go, you could take the Marshal so many different ways. Yeah, it's it's hard to say these are your standout species choices, like Dave said, because of the fact that I mean, honestly, even then, okay, great. Which which social characteristic do you want to focus on, right? Right. Um, I mean, 
it's like you said, Dave, what half the species that we've been presented with will fit some, right. some type of martial build well. So, yeah, it, I, and I, I kind of like that. I like the fact that uh, that there's not like, a, oh, hey, you, you need to make a martial. Choose one of these eight species. No, I, I, I like Twitterian. So yeah, <laughs> oh, you can make it work. I'm sure you could. Dude, Twitterian would be an awesome martial. Actually, Twitterian actually would work. It would work yeah, extremely true. well. Um, <laughs> hey, what are you doing in my town? <laughs> <laughs> I'm keeping the pizza. <laughs> Give him a trench coat. Call him Columbo. I just have one more question. <laughs> Yes, it's not water, it's Colombo. Yes. One more question. Just one more question. Just have a one more question. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so all of this ultimately feeds into the talent tree where we really get the martial archetypes. Now, guys, as we often do, we're going to break out the martial's talents into kind of a set of archetypes that, at least thematically, group its talents into meaningful discussion points. Um, whereas we often have two archetypes... Uh, there are actually three very clear uh, archetypes in the Marshall. Um, the two of them are pretty lean. Um, and ironically, there are three hosts on the show. So, ha-ha. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, wow. Uh, so we're going to talk about all three of those archetypes and kind of break out those talents into sort of meaningful, manageable talkie point sets. Uh, but of course, there's always at least one talent that doesn't fall into any of the archetypes because it benefits all of them. And in this case, that is just the single talent of dedication. Uh, really can obviously go towards agility or presence or cunning or willpower or, frankly, whatever you want to boost up. Um, well, I'll go ahead and take the first archetype, guys. Um, right. And that would be the shootest. Um, my second favorite John Wayne film. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, this is kind of a lean archetype, kind of what I said earlier. There's really only a handful of talents here, but these talents do really sit on their own. Uh, Marshall should be expected to draw iron, uh, and do it well. Some bad guys, like, like, what is it you said, Dave? You can't, you can't cure stupid. <laughs> um, and they're just nope. not, they're just not going to listen to reason. Range light is your combat skill. So let's get to it. Uh, these, these talents, uh, line the majority of the right hand column of the tree. And yeah, it sucks to have to go through street smarts and bad cop to get them, but you're a versatile character, right? So. <laughs> Uh, these talents for the shootest archetype uh, really are, are comprised of quick draw, uh, which amazingly useful for any combat build, uh, and iconic for a gunslinger of any stripe. Uh, even the best interrogation or friendly warning can turn deadly in a heartbeat, and you need to be prepared. Um, next up, point blank, two ranks, one on top of the other, um, each obviously increasing your damage with ranged heavier ranged light weapons uh, when made it short or engaged range. And considering that most of your fights are going to start after a conversation, that range actually makes a lot of sense. Mm -hmm. um, and then capping it off with Natural Marksman, uh, truly superb bottom-tier talent that gives you a once-per-session reroll of ranged light or ranged heavy um, and can make you a really, really decent um, ranged combatant. So um, that's the shootest kind of stands on its own. Um, what do we have next? Next up uh, is Die Hard. Yes. Go ahead, Phil. All right. Uh, the Marshal, despite his social learnings, can be a very rough and tough, grizzled opponent. Because uh, they've got a series of talents that are, are sort of scattered about, but also mostly grouped to the left side of the tree that really reflect, reflect this nature. Uh, they get toughened for only 5 XP, and it's super cheap. 
and it's not attached to any any specific line. Just drop five XP, get it, be happy, go home. They get two ranks of grit, uh, one at five and another at 15 down the center of the tree. Very versatile for pushing that strain and also extremely helpful in social encounters. It's a great choice for any martial type. Over on the left, uh, they have a couple ranks of durability, uh, of durable, sorry, a highly underrated defensive talent with two ranks at 10 XP and 20 XP. Each rank reduces the crit roll of any crit you suffer by 10, if you want it to. Uh, this talent can flat out save your life or turn a devastating critical into a silly and inconvenient one. You were bowled over. <laughs> it can save you from having to use hard-headed. It can, which is a bit of an odd talent. It's kind of situational, but it's really useful when it matters. Uh, you get two ranks of it, one at five at the beginning of the tree, unattached to anything, and one buried past good cop for 15. And when you get staggered, you can, can't form actions, or disoriented, which uh, gives you auto setback dice. To, uh, uh, um, yeah, auto setback dice to all checks. You can attempt a four purple discipline check to remove the condition, and that difficulty is reduced for each additional rank of hard-headed that you get. Um, staggered and disoriented can be deadly, usually the result of critical injuries, nasty weapon effects, or nasty talents, and these things can stick around for sometimes rounds. So though it's a very situational talent, it, the difficulty is rough, so you want to have a high discipline to pull it off. It really can save your bacon. But even better than that, at the bottom of the left column is improved hard-headed. Um, it's absolutely amazing. When you're flat-out incapacitated because your strain exceeds your strain threshold, you can, while incapacitated, make a five-purple discipline check to just recover the strain that puts you one below your threshold and conscious again. And part of the talent, it's not once per encounter, it's not once per session, it's whenever this happens, you can attempt this. Dude, I would be spending strain to get an extra maneuver every single round. <laughs> <laughs> and with some of the builds that we'll talk about later on, you can get that recovery difficulty way down. Yeah. Way down. So that's the, that's the, uh, the diehard. All right, so we got the shootist, we got the diehard. Dave, what is our third archetype? The third one is the investigator. The investigator. And this is, um, this is uh, well, you'll come to it. You'll, you'll see this in my build. Um, this is the bulk of the marshal's tree right here, down the two center columns. At its core, it's really... The marshal's about being a cop, right? And that's sniffing out leads, following up investigation, interrogating bad guys, and don't fall prey to scams and villains. And these talents really kind of reflect that. So you've got street smarts, which is uh, 5 XP, totally worth that, removing a setback from any streetwise or knowledge underworld check you make. Uh, you've got good cop and its sister talent, bad cop. And these are, dude, these are the, to me, these are signature talents. They're so thematic. You've totally, got, you totally. can spend two advantage from a charm or negotiation check to fully upgrade another ally's subsequent social interaction check against that target during the same encounter. So, uh, multiple ranks means multiple upgrades, right? So the, the talent lets you turn a non social ally into a social character or turn the party face into a silver-tongued god 
You've got two yeah. ranks of it available. It's, I mean, it's the go-to talent for the high presence, uh, for, for the high presence marshal. So, yeah. um, bad cop is just like good cop, except it uses deception and coercion. So, you know, two ranks again. So, this is uh, this is go-to for a high willpower or cunning marshal. So, uh, you gotta, you know, you have to kind of go through. You can skip one rank of good cop if you go straight down the third side if you're more willpower, but you know. You can still you still can't take them both. Um, Unrelenting skeptic is in here too, and this is this is a, a little odd one, but it it really represents that you're you know how to spot a liar, right? Cops know how to spot liars. Yeah, and th- that's what this little talent represents is your your innate ability not just to be not fooled. You know, adding auto failures equal to your ranks and vigilance to any deception check made against you. I mean, it's it's to ju- you're just not going to get fooled. Yeah. Um, and then and then if you go further to improved unrelenting skeptic, basically when you use it and your opponent's deception check fails, you can spend the destiny point to add a despair to his results. <laughs> what? <laughs> Which, especially during an interrogation, like if you're using good cop, bad cop, I mean, that despair could get you, could, I mean, it's not just they cracked, like they all of a sudden spilled some crucial piece of information, you know what I mean? Right. Right. So, um, yeah, I'm freaking, I love it. Love it. Likewise, you know, and likewise, if you're, you know, if you're high presence, you can go down the second and, and skip one of the bad cops, theoretically. You know, or you could just you can dip into it, skip both bad cops, and go all the way straight down into improved, unrelenting skeptic. It's just you know, it's to each your own, right? Your mileage will vary. I do appreciate how if you're going to advance in the tree, you do have to take either good cop or bad cop at least one rank, but you're not forced to take good cop if you suck at those things, and you're not forced to take bad cop if you suck at those skills. You know what I mean? You can you can meander your way around the tree to avoid that if you desperately want to. Right. So. No, absolutely, dude. So, I mean, I again, it's just it's very flexible in, in what you want to do with this with this tree. I normally I would cross back, but you'll see. You'll I'll, I'll explain why I didn't um, because I, I really had to make good use of of XP given the way I went. So it makes sense. It makes sense. Okay. Well, speaking of cross sec, it's cross it's cross sec cross spec. Um, Phil, man. I mean, like we do. Can we take a look maybe at the best ways to augment the marshal with some some cross-spec action for those people who do want to cross-specialize? Absolutely. Um, So we're going to start with the good. What works well and what things are going to augment the marshal best. Um, In doing research for this, there really wasn't much that wouldn't couple well with the marshal, but there are certainly some great pairings to call out. Um, For specs within your career... If you want a sort of CSI marshal, you're in luck. Um, doctor and scholar can turn you into an exceptional, well-rounded investigator, and a politico marshal makes you a great task force leader or even a priest and something like a precinct chief. Ooh. Um, let's let's stick around in, in something similar to the marshal, the bounty hunter. Um, all of it, every spec. <laughs> Assassin and gadgeteer can make you into some badass SWAT type marshal while the survivalist is perfect for an outer rim lawman who hunts down fugitives from justice. Dude, that's one of the uh, few times I would see survivalist cross-specking well into, yeah. into yeah, 
Totally. Survivalist doesn't cross-spec well into much, but unless it's like an explorer spec, but it pairs wonderfully with uh, with the marshal. Mm. Another spec that's really great for the marshal, the bodyguard. It's a superbly useful tree. Gets you access to heavier weaponry, makes you tougher, two more ranks of hard-headed, which can get even an improved hard-headed check down to an average check. And, gets you bo- and, and of course, it gets you bodyguard. You will protect the public with this spec if you pair off with the marshal. And along a similar vein, tactician and vanguard are solid choices for much the same reasons. Ooh. Um, if you really want to be a dirty cop, <laughs> <laughs> or a marshal who's willing to intimidate the crap out of his foes and, you know, maybe convince them a little bit with his billy club in the process of bringing the bad guy to justice, take a look at the enforcer. Uh, it toughens you up and makes your coercion checks all the more easier. Um, a bit of an odd pairing to, to, to sort of counter that is the archaeologist. It can give you some of the same benefits with use of hard-headed and turns you into a great forensic pathologist, so it's another solid choice for a CSI-type build. Uh, we would be remiss if we didn't talk about a scoundrel or the charmer specs. Uh, they're great, especially if you're playing an undercover narc-type narc character. Helps establish your cover and credentials and maintain them under scrutiny. And of course, um, the one thing I didn't—I want to call an audible on—that I am seriously neglecting putting down in the notes. Naturally, the gunslinger mm. can't go wrong with a martial gunslinger. Of course. Uh, and dipping into the black books because I'm a big fan. Uh, if you happen <laughs> to become force sensitive, look at the following specs: protector, which is basically a bodyguard with more force-themed tricks. Advisor, this will help you with more with the more social aspects of the marshal, and of course, warden, the ultimate pairing for a force sensitive marshal. It plays well into the dirty Harry character with ranks of intimidating, more ranks of bad cop, and some very nice force tricks that will help you end fights before they even start. Yeah, marshal warden is pretty sick. Yeah, just watching all those ranks of bad cock just stack on top of each other, just, it's... <laughs> yeah, that's, yeah, yeah that's, that's really bad. Okay. Well, okay, Dave, so if that's the good, can you talk to us briefly about the bad? I mean, what, what works horribly? What, what, what just isn't much of a fit for the marshal? Uh, well, let's... Um, I, I'm, a, I'm a winner. I'm... I'm, I'm... I build great buildings. Entrepreneurs, go away. <laughs> there, there, there are no money specs that are going to happen here. Entrepreneurs, quartermasters, traders, uh, no. Um, technician specs with the possible exception of Slicer, but even then you're better off leaving that for someone who's focused on intellect. Yeah. You know, because again, that's not your, that's your dump stat. Um, agitators maybe here's the odd thing right is the agitator talents can actually support the marshal's ability pretty decently but the theme of the agitator conflicts with the marshals you know, i i i would take a really uh carefully crafted character i think uh to 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 make thematically to really make that combo work yeah the agitator is all about screw law and order <laughs> f the law Attica, Attica. <laughs> <laughs> That's your uh, chaotic evil cop. Yeah. <laughs> um, 
Uh, oh man, what's uh, uh, what's what's Misty Knight's partner in Luke Cage? Uh, the dude. The dude. Uh, oh, well, I don't know if you guys have have started to watch Luke Cage. I haven't, haven't, well, I haven't started. Haven't gotten a chance to yet. Uh, I'm four episodes in and I'm loving it. Okay, then I won't. Nice. Spo- I won't spoil anything. Um, okay, so so there you go. Um, okay, cool. So let's get into the build off, boys. We're gonna we're gonna put our advice to practice gamer nation with our much loved build off. Uh, the hosts are going to go head-to-head with our own Marshall builds, uh, which you can vote for after the show, uh, both on the D20 Radio forums and on the Order 66 Podcast Facebook page. Um, and our rules for the build-off, um, as most of our listeners know, are quite simple. Each of us creates um, a starting character um, using the, uh, the the normal starting character creation rules, um, and then we advance that character with 100 earned XP. Uh, we're allowed to cross-spec, we're allowed to stay pure in the spec if we want to, but obviously we have to have the marshal as a part of the build in some way, um, and really whatever whatever we do to keep true to the theme and the concept that we are we are trying to build. Um, so Phil, I'm, I'm, I'm really eager to, to hear your build, bro. Do you want to kick us off tonight with your entrepreneur, or with your, uh, um, uh, your marshal build? Happy to do so. <laughs> entrepreneur build... you're still winner you're you're still railing from i'm a winner i'm a, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a winner i'm, <laughs> I'm all a winner. i do is win all i do is win all i do is win i build great games i build great podcasts yes. <laughs> so starting off my marshall build my marshall is dunikov or Dune Koth, the Twi'lek Marshal for Sensitive Exile. And if this build sounds familiar, it's because I brought up Dune several episodes ago in a post-show discussion. This is actually my first ever FFG Star Wars RPG campaign character that I'm playing as a PC, and I actually got to play him last weekend. Ooh. So, and I had nothing to do with the choice of this episode, folks. You asked for it, and it just happened to sync up perfectly with where we're going. Uh, so his backstory. A youngling in the Jedi Temple when Order 66 occurred. Dunikov was able to flee to the Outer Rim territories and hide from the Empire for nearly two decades. Having a strong sense of justice as well as a sense of right and wrong, Dune fought for the downtrodden against those who would prey upon them by becoming a lawman for a small colony on Lyran 4. The Empire came to the village in pursuit of a suspected rebel sympathizer. Instead of investigating, the Imperial ISB agent simply ordered the town destroyed, since Lyran 4 was the haven for many smugglers and other criminals. The village burned under the bomber attack. Dune survived, but only a handful of others did. Twice now, the Empire has taken those close to him. Twice the Empire has shattered Dune's world. Now the former Padawan-turned-Marshal has decided it is time to defy the Empire in the name of those who can no longer. So, starting this build, I wanted to establish his tone as well as a plan for later advancement. Uh, he's a Twi'lek, because I want Quite simple. That's it. Um, I wanted brawn, agility, and presence all at three, with all the other characteristics at two. This brings me to 80 spent XP. I'm kind of playing a long game with Dune, and he's also somewhat built upon, or rather based upon, my Star Wars The Old Republic Jedi Sentinel, uh, uh, Jedi uh, Shadow Tank. And he's kind of a big Twi'lek dude, so I wanted to make this guy a big Twi'lek dude. So that's why I bought his brawn up to three. And let's face it, it's going to help him out with his survivability a little bit. I took the free rank and charm. He's a likable marshal and not one who tries to trick opponents. I'm spending his other 20 starting XP to take Force-Sensitive Exile. 
This gets Dune his Force rating. It explains why he's in the Jedi Temple all those years ago, and it gives him access to a Force power, Sense, which I purchase with extra XP from Obligation. For his obligation, I'm taking Frontier Justice. This is perfect for Dune, who has lost so many to the cruelty and indifference of the Empire, and gives him a sizable target to vent his frustration against. For skill ranks, I chose a rank in Charm, Education, Leadership, and Streetwise. And from uh, Marshall, rank Ranged Light and Vigilance. This gives Dune a wide variety of skills I feel he needs to be a lawman for a small community. So that's his 100 XP, or rather that's his starting XP. To advance the build, I took Sense because it serves him well as a law enforcement officer with just the basic power. He can gauge the emotional state of someone he's interviewing or interrogating. With some refinement and 10 more XP, he can turn that into a more potent tool, leaving him able to read surface thoughts from his target. Plus, in combat, with another 10 XP, he can commit his force die to increasing his defensive capabilities. So, going with our 100 points after creation, this is where Dune will go. Sense, he buys uh, Sense thoughts and the upgrade difficulty aspects of, of, of Sense. Uh, now, it's, now Sense will work for him during combat and in social encounters, all while only needing to be powered by his single force die. Now, thinking really deep, I love the potential with the colonist signature ability unmatched expertise. That requires having the bottom row talents from the second and third columns, which actually works out pretty well. In Marshall, I take Toughened and Grit for 5 XP each. Good Cop and Grit again for 15, at the 15 XP tier. This gives me 35 XP spent. Now, I could continue to dive deep and get ever closer to unmatched expertise, but... I kind of want to round out some other things that do need some improvement areas in first to, to make help him survive. Um, for skills, I want to get Dune's combat ability up. Socially, he's okay. So I take a second rank in ranged light and a second rank in vigilance. 20 more XP spent. Uh, looking at the last 25 XP, I want to grab some stuff from Force Sensitive Exile. Looking at the paths open to Dune, there are some very useful talents on the left side, but they're more of the right side of the Force Sensitive Exile, sort of caters to where I'm taking Dune. He's not really trying to deceive people, so it doesn't make much sense for some of the left side talents. Uh, I take Uncanny Reactions for 5 XP, Quick Draw for 10, handy to those times that he needs to draw down faster than an opponent, and with only a few XP remaining for this build, I decide that having at least a small boost to Discipline will serve him well, so I take Insight and put a rank into Discipline. And that spends the last 25 XP. So what I've got at the end is a Marshal without a community who is out trying to right a wrong dealt to millions across the galaxy by the oppressive Empire. He's got this real Lone Ranger feel about him, and that's accented by his quick reflexes, his charming disposition, and his sense of justice. With the Force as his guide, and inspired by those Jedi of yesteryear, Dune will come to the rescue of the downtrodden and oppressed settlers of the Outer Rim. Very nice use of Force-sensitive exile. Um, well, thank you. Thank very, you. Very nice. And you bring up a good point. Sense makes a lot of sense. <laughs> like, it, it is so perfect for this character's build. I, I, yeah. I look through and I'm like, okay, what do I want to take? What do I want to take? I'm like, you know, I... I, I initially looked at move, but then I realized that move I would need to have a good willpower to use. And that wasn't this guy's thing. He needs to survive. So yeah. sense helps him survive and it helps him as an investigator too. Now with a good um, an another another force power that I don't think it would fit this build, but another good one for Marshalls, this makes me you making me think about it now, man. I mean influence is kind of a natural uh, extension oh, yeah. as well. 
um, in terms of not only enhancing your social skills, but, you know, just having that, you know, you don't want to draw your blaster. <laughs> I don't want to draw my blaster. You want to go Seek home is a good one, too. Seek is a very good one. Seek, very, so. seek very good one, yeah. You want to go home and rethink your life. I want to go home and rethink my life. <clears throat> I love it. I don't want to catch you out here dealing drugs again. <laughs> okay, sir. <laughs> very nice. Okay, well, that is Dune. Very good. Um, so, Dave, man, I'm loving your freaking build, man. Do you want to tell us about it? Uh, yeah, sure. We've got a... Um... This is a little bit um, odd for me because I've never ever built or even considered building a droid character before, but I did today. <laughs> um, he's a droid. Well, let me give you backstory first. <clears throat> he um, originally one of those LEVO law type droids, and he was smuggled to the outer rim and reprogrammed by a smuggler named Jaron Melthar, who made some modification for his own use. As those droids originally were never kill always stun right so he modified that for a little bit more lethality and uh, to be able to allow him to keep watch over his smuggler's den while he was away so uh sometime later the programming went slightly awry and uh he uh the droid renamed himself y8rp and began to explore his abilities assisting Jaren in his gambling pursuits. Originally, what I really wanted to do with this character, and then I ran out of XP to do it, was to cross back into Smuggler. And and I'll I'll explain why in a little bit. But um, uh, they set up a gambling pursuit in an establishment of less than wholesome activities on Locke, where he began to run his own operation, basically a a whorehouse. And... um, out of necessity, he started to tangle with the early elements of organized crime. They called themselves the Remnant. Uh, and then uh, in these dealings, when he continued to try and continue to uh, get on the nerves of this organized crime bosses, they uh, they killed his master, Jaren, and uh, the droid took it upon himself to basically rid the sector of the Remnant. And his legend grew as a lawman. He was able to recruit a, a human task force to beat back the remnant, but in his efforts, of course, he was forced to leave the planet and strike out on his own. His legend, of course, followed with him. And uh, the remnant eventually reorganized and is now the, the lock revenant uh, on that planet. But anyway, this is uh, inspired by the actual true life story of Wyatt Earp, um, who was less than a lawman and more of a scoundrel. Uh, as I, I don't know how many people know that. Quite, um, yeah. Hey man, I've watched was, I've watched Tombstone. What? Yeah, he was he was a gambler first and then reluctantly became a lawman. So, um I started with a droid and um we pumped uh, 3 for willpower and 3 for agility and then um 2s in presence and cunning. And so that bl- that blew 140 of the 175 XP right there. <laughs> yeah. 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 So I couldn't at that point. My my prospect dream of of scoundrel was pretty much over. Um, so went straight in Marshall, and uh, take charm, deception, knowledge, core world, leadership, negotiation, streetwise. Because you get six as a droid, right? Um, and uh, he gets to choose three because droid of career skills. So he gets coercion, range, light, and vigilance. And so that, you know, he's already started down some pretty nice skills. So he's got 35 um, XP left. So we're going to bump Vigilance and Range Light one more. So now he's got a really nice, I think, what, three, three, two, something like that. Yeah. Um, and um, 
So he's a hell he's a hell of a gunfighter, which uh, which was you know Wyatt Earp's claim to fame, right? Um, and uh, grit, street smarts, and toughened off the top row of the martial talent tree, and that pretty much is the starting character. So he's he's a um, He's pretty good with a gun and uh, obviously good with uh, in vigilance and uh, has a little bit that he can do around the uh, social skills. But um, then when we come in with the extra hundred, we're basically going straight down. Uh, we're going straight down the talent tree with uh, two ranks of good cop, two ranks of bad cop, quick draw, grit, another grit, I mean. Uh, and we get to unrelenting skeptic and this, you know, uh, to me, it gives me a solid build. I've got good social interactions for charm, negotiation, deception, and coercion. I've got the ability to get the jump on my mark and he's hard to fool. So, I mean, now one brawn, I can't take too big a hit, but you know, the real Wyatt Earp was always more lucky than good anyway. Right. So, and he was a very slender, you know, slight guy. Um, if I'd have truly built a Wyatt Earp, I probably would have been force sensitive because of his legendary ability to just get that damn lucky and never get hit by a bullet. <laughs> but obviously, as a droid, I can't be force sensitive. So, well, I'd like to point out that even though you say you only had 35 XP left to spend after your uh, your characteristic boost, that's more than Phil had, man. You, I mean, um, because yeah. <clears throat> he only had 20 afterwards. So, no, yeah. no, I, I think. You may have hit on one of the few times where we can solidly say, yo, a droid PC makes a badass choice for this particular spec. Because um, it works. It works well. I liked I it, it was one of those when we started talking, I think I was driving to work when we started talking about this. And it, for some reason, he immediately Y8RP, Wyatt pops into my head. I'm like, I'm going to do a droid. There you go. Dude, wh- I'm trying to remember which book The Gambler is in. Uh, oh, that's going to um, be Campus in, and, uh, uh, fly casual. Is it fly, fly casual? casual? Is it fly casual? Yep. Is it fly casual? It is. Yeah. Scandal. Cause that, that's the smuggler. Yeah. That's, that's the smuggler book. Yeah. 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 That's right. the smuggler book. For that's some right. reason I was thinking dangerous covenants, but that's, yeah, that one's hired guns. But I mean, cause, cause based on what you've said, like that, that, um, that ability to avoid the odds, even without me, yes. and because obviously a droid can't be force sensitive, but that ability to be just stupidly lucky, um, there's yeah. a, there's a lot of talents in the gambler that might really cross spec well into that, and it would really fit yeah, the concept and the, yeah, too. Yeah, that's then that's really you know I couldn't really go smuggler, and I was thinking you know was I going to go scoundrel scoundrel or what? Because I I like the I like the uh, the scoundrel talents with the convincing demeanor, but and and the extra rank of quick draw that was really cheap, but mm. you know I just I couldn't make it work. I think uh, I think as this character goes further, it could, there's a lot of room that it could grow. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> so I don't. It's a good thought. Very nice. I love I love Y8RP. I love it. Absolutely love it. What do you got, Chris? Um. Okay. Uh. My build is. Um. Her name is Calamity Jaina. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> and keeping in the Western theme, um, she is a Bothan uh, martial performer. Ooh. Yeah. Um, so uh, her backstory, um, Jaina uh, Julia uh, was a Bothan raised on a remote uh, Outer Rim colony. Uh, but after an attack by bandits, she was orphaned at a very early age. And she kind of grew up in the seedier side of the colony scraping by until she was old enough to use her wiles to find employment as a dancer and a, uh, well, a soiled dove. <laughs> um, 
But a, a renegade syndicate eventually muscled into the system, demanding tribute from her employer uh, and responding with violence to those who refused it. And after her closest friend was gunned down by the group, Jaina grabbed a blaster and went on an absolute rampage, spending a year dismantling the syndicate's business and ultimately getting their leadership arrested by the Sector Rangers. Um, impressed with her work, the Rangers recommended her for the Academy, and she discovered a new talent in herself, graduating with honors, and now prowls the Outer Rim to enforce the law and keep the keep the peace, uh, although she never shook off her nickname after taking down the syndicate Calamity Jaina. <laughs> um, <clears throat> so, uh, Calamity is a character that, uh, obviously inspired by the real-life uh, uh, Western heroine, uh, but uh, the concept really focused around using her learned wiles <laughs> uh, to distract her enemies and gain information, uh, sabotage criminals, and then ultimately get the upper hand in combat. Uh, she's a notoriously tough ranger, really scrappy demeanor, but an undeniable charm. I, I picture her in in tight chaps and boots, like with a wide-brimmed hat and a leather duster, and, and yet underneath, like maybe a very feminine lace corset, but caked with dust and like emblazoned with a polished sector ranger badge, you know? Um, blaster slung low. Uh, so I decided to go, as far as starting character, uh, I decided to go with a Bothan for this build. I really wanted to create this, this concept of seductress turned lawman. And I briefly thought about making a Twi'lek, but I mean, really, that's kind of just pandering at that point, isn't it? <laughs> um, true. Uh, and furthermore, I wanted a cunning focused character because of the deception, uh, considering her past. Um, and in terms of, of the lore of Star Wars beauty, where I've got six-breasted aliens dancing in Jabba's palace and, you know, Rodian pleasure dancers and things like that, um, I, I thought, I thought a, a, a Bothan soil dove would be really thematic, um, and very Star Wars. Um, but then again, Bothans also provide that really impressive boost to cunning, which again, for a deception-focused character, very essential, but also Bothans get a free rank in Streetwise, great for the Marshal, and a free rank and convincing demeanor. <laughs> and they I love it already. And they still get 100 starting XP. Um, so it's really just a, just a superb choice. Um, from the obligation standpoint, I kind of went with Phil's. Uh, I, I think that new Frontier Justice obligation from Far Horizons is just, it just made too much sense for the character. Um, you know, like still damaged from the murder of her parents so long ago and the subsequent death of her friends at the hands of criminals. She's got this almost like Serpico, dirty, hairy kind of attitude, you know, of you know, justice at any cost, right? Just consuming her fully. Um, so I will take full obligation to get an extra 10 XP. So she's got 110 starting XP. She's going to drop 30 to get her agility up to three. Uh, giving her threes in cunning and agility. I'm really not going to go higher than that. I wanted to have a crap ton of XP, in this case 80 left over, um, to really start cross-specking and building up skills and talents. So, <clears throat> as said, she starts with a free rank and convincing demeanor, which is going to remove setbacks, uh, a setback from any deception or skullduggery check she makes, very important for her, uh, and a free rank in Streetwise. Uh, her starting spec will be Colonist Marshal, um, and she'll nab free career ranks in Charm, Deception, Negotiation, and another free rank in Streetwise, maxing her out there. Um, her free specialization ranks will be in Knowledge Underworld and Range Light. Uh, now, with her remaining 80 XP, she'll drop 20 right away, staying in career and in book, no less, I'd like to point out, uh, to pick up Performer. Uh, you know, the idea of her past as an entertainer uh, is kind of part of her shtick, and she'll use it well. And I was really keen on the idea of taking the deceptive uh, boosts that the Marshal provides and combining that with 
some of the sort of deception-based abilities or other social interaction abilities that the performer provides. Um, so 20 more XP will be spent bringing her deception and range light up to two ranks each, max, max for starting character. And her last 60 XP will be spent on street smarts, bad cop, and quick draw from the marshal, really rounding her out nicely. And then distracting behavior, dodge, congenial, and another rank in distracting behavior over in performer. So at this point, as a mere starting character, because I'm fine with two threes, um, Calamity Jaina has an impressive yellow-yellow-green pools in range light, deception, and streetwise, with the ability to ignore setback dice on deception, streetwise, and knowledge underworld. Um, she can activate dodge for defense, and I'm of the opinion, guys, that dodge is one of the best defensive talents in the game. Um, oh, yeah, it is. Because you can activate it off turn. Um, quick draw to put Yanker Pistol in a flash, but most importantly, she can use distracting behavior at short range, because she's got two ranks, to force auto threat on up to three foes' checks, okay? And she doesn't have to make a check to activate uh, distracting behavior. I love distracting behavior. <laughs> um, her bad cop training also lets her use her deception extremely well to soften up targets for interrogation. Um, she's also not superb at charm, but congenial helps her be exceptional when she needs it. Okay, so that's the starting character. Um, as far as advancement goes, with 100 earned XP, uh, Calamity's going to stay in Marshall for a little while. She's going to pick up Grit and Point Blank for 20 XP. Then she's going to head back to Performer for another third rank in Distracting Behavior and another rank in Convincing Demeanor for 20, um, and a rank in Smooth Talker, Deception, of course, for 5 at the very top of the tree. Um, the rest of her 55 XP uh, from Advancement is going to be poured into skills. She's going to grab third ranks in Deception, Streetwise, and Range Light for 45, and a second rank in Knowledge Underworld for 10. So at this point, after a few sessions of Advancement, Calamity is a very capable and dangerous lawman. She's able to decimate with yellow, yellow, yellow pools, three yellow pools on Deception, Streetwise, and Range Light, and Dodge and Point Blank, amping up her combative abilities even further. Bad cop and distracting behavior are her bread and butter outside of combat, and she can now use distracting behavior at medium range against up to three foes. Uh, she's a sultry, furry badass <laughs> um, <laughs> who knows how, who to talk to, uh, how to ply information from the scum of the galaxy, and how to take them in or end them when things go sour. So that is Calamity Jaina, uh, Bothan Marshall performer. What a when I combo. when you started when you started with that, my my mind wandered to to how close this is theoretically in my mind to Agent Romanoff. <laughs> the black okay. the Black Widow, very interesting, very interesting. Yeah, yeah. Damn, that's a that is a surprisingly solid combination. I thought it was fun. I say, su- <clears throat> I say surprisingly because it's it's hard to sort of wrap your head around like how do these two fit together and they fit together really well. As long as you focus on a cunning based character, yeah. And again, right. I, th- I think and I think we've made this clear, guys. One of the great things about the Marshall is the fact that it is so freaking versatile. And part of that versatility is its social versatility. I mean, yeah, it, it, at its core, as we said, its heart beats with the blood of a social character. But you can go cunning or willpower or presence. And they create yeah. remarkably different martial characters that that really latch on well to remarkably different specs. 
Um, and the thing is, though, it's not it's as Dave as Dave's build clearly shows you. This is not a specialization that requires you to cross spec. You can go straight. I mean, this is one of those few specs that I can say, yo, you can stay entirely in Marshall and be a badass. I mean, yeah. I mean, complete badass just staying in spec. And that's that's rare that we can say that. So and um, GM Captain Super Monkey just named the episode. He's got Jaina's got a gun. Jaina got a gun. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> So that's, that's... I'm queuing up Aerosmith as we speak. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's good. That's good. Well, all right. Good builds, guys. Good conversation. Of course, you guys, as soon as you're finished listening to the episode, head over to d20radio.com slash forums. Head to the Order 66 podcast board. You'll find a dedicated thread for this episode. You can vote uh, for your preferred build. Or, of course, just head to Facebook's. Head to the Facebooks. Go to the Order 66 podcast Facebook page, and you will find a survey where you can, uh, you know, say who you think won, because we want to know, because we punch each other on the shoulders over this stuff imaginarily. It really matters to us. It matters. Just saying. We do. We do. We do. It does. Imaginarily? Imaginarily. It's my word. It's my word. <laughs> <clears throat> you don't let anyone take that word from you. I won't. I won't. Uh, all right, guys. We got some questions tonight. Um, do you guys want to uh, get maybe get into some questions, some questions and answers, some questions? Cool by me. All right. Well, let's do it. Okay. Let's do it. He doesn't seem to take a hint, this guy. I was beginning to wonder if you'd got my message. Messages from the edge. Boy, am I glad to hear your voice. I think it would be wise if you took advantage of my knowledge in this instance. Welcome to Messages from the Edge, our regular show segment where we take the time to answer your game and rules questions about the system. How can people get us these questions, I ask? Phil, how can people get us these questions? Well, go to the forums and post them. Head to www.d20radio.com slash forums, register, and head over to the Order 66 podcast boards where you'll find a messages from the edge thread. You can also email your questions to us at gmchris at d20radio.com, gmdave at d20radio.com, and gmphil at d20radio.com. You can head over to the Facebook and uh, the Order 66, uh, the Order 66 group there on Facebook and post a question there. And finally, if you're brave enough, leave us a question via the voicemail at d20 radio hotline. 262 D20 Radio. That's 262-320-7234. And we had two very brave and uh, wonderful listeners who did that for tonight's show. Um, uh, but our first question um, is not one of those. It is actually a forum question, and it's a long one, but it's a really good one. Um, Dave, do you want to elucidate us? Yes. First question comes from GM Kirith. And this is about GM metagaming. He says, help me, Obi-Wan. I've been accused of GM metagaming. So here's the question. How should GMs portray NPCs' reactions to failed opposing checks? Would they know they failed a check and why? How would their behavior change? Background. I was running our Roll20 Edge of the Empire group through an adventure. The other night, the crew's YT-1300 was jumped by three experimental TIE fighters flown by Imperial test pilots. I used rival TIE 
pilot card from the adversary deck, Agility 4, Pilot 2, Gunnery 2. After a couple of exchanges of fire, the crew's pilot, Agility 5, Pilot 3, used his 25 XP Brilliant Evasion talent, which calls for an opposed check against one opponent to stop the opponent from attacking the character for a number of rounds equals the PC's agility. PC's role succeeded. When it came time for that TIE pilot's turn, I ruled that as an experienced pilot, you don't get to rival level flying TIEs without some skill or luck. The TIE pilot realized he was facing a much better pilot. With no other enemies to engage, he broke off the dogfight and flew away. I guess he bugged out. All right, fly maneuver. Well beyond the range of the fighter's guns, activating a special ship mod as he did so. Another pilot maneuver, taking two system strain. I had him remain outside of the next five rounds of combat. Narratively, he was observing the freighter to better judge his chances before flying back into gun range after the fifth round when he was promptly vaporized after his shot missed. (laughs) But the PC pilot cried foul. In his mind, the enemy pilot could not have known that he was facing a better pilot and should have remained in the dogfight to try, futilely, to attack the freighter. Essentially, surrounding his action every round to commit suicide by PC. So my question. One, how how would you have played out the TIE pilot's reaction? And two... Why would the TIE pilot react the way you propose? Thanks for your advice. Keep making podcasts, and I'll keep not downloading GM Kirith. Huh. Well, I got to say, though, um, not included in the question because I didn't put it in, but I think it's now that, I'm, now that I'm listening to this again, I think it's kind of pertinent. Um, this guy was running one of the modules available to D20 Radio backers. Um, you guys remember a couple years ago I released my uh, Dead Man's Hand module you know, the, with, the, sure. with the Space Pirates? Sure. Um, there's a, a scene in that module where, brief spoiler alert for those who haven't read it, um, the crew is in a single YT-1300. They're the only PC ship in the area, and they go up against a trio of basically TIE advanced that have cloaking capability. Mm-hmm. So when he's talking about this, he's saying basically that TIE pilot broke off and cloaked <laughs> Okay, for a few rounds. So to put that in perspective for you. Sure. Um... I really want to get y'all's thoughts on this, um, but I do think it's important to talk first and kind of get our listeners in the loop with Brilliant Evasion. Not too many people are familiar with that talent. It's a really great talent. Uh, page 144, Age of Rebellion Core Rulebook, uh, available to the pilot and the squadron leader. And it mer- works much as Kirith describes. Uh, once per encounter, uh, the character piloting a starship or vehicle makes an opposed piloting check against another single target. Um, also piloting a starship or vehicle. And if successful, uh, the opponent's vehicle or starship cannot make any attacks against the character's vehicle for, as was said, a number of rounds equal to the character's agility. Nifty. What it represents is the pilot sort of outplaying a single foe after analyzing his attack patterns and basically auto-avoiding the foe's attempts to attack him for a few rounds. This is an incredibly powerful 25 XP bottom-tier talent that a solid PC who gets to that point will most likely make the check for blindfolded. Um, It's only limitations, which are severe limitations, are the once-per-encounter tag and the fact that it only applies to a single foe. So the real question I have for you guys is, did GM Kyrith err in some way? I mean, when a PC activates this talent, how does an NPC who is targeted respond? I mean, Phil, Dave, what what are y'all's thoughts on this? 
So my mind immediately goes to dogfights back in, you know, as they're portrayed in World War II. And there is a uh, some movie somewhere where a German is just a badass, right? And he pulls a maneuver on somebody and gets basically because of that he gets the jump on him for one round and all of a sudden he's completely turned around. The guy has no idea and then all of a sudden he gets shot at. And that's where I would probably go with it um, would be to, all right, you, you probably need to stay in the dogfight for a round or so because one, you probably don't, he just evaded. I mean, that's the, that's the, that's the talent, right? I mean, brilliant evasion. So he just evaded you. You have a split second where, where the hell is this guy? And then it leaves you vulnerable to attack. So to have an immediate bug out probably wouldn't have gone that direction. I probably would have given it a round. And then you're like, Oh, what the hell just happened? Let me get out of here so I can reconnoiter. That's probably where I would have gone with it. But I mean, either way, the guy just outflew you pretty badly. So you know, take take some time, coordinate with your guys, whatever the whatever the story is. I I don't really have a big problem with it, with the one possible exception of pulling him out of the fight immediately. Mm. Phil, yeah, I'm kind of there with Dave. Um, I think. I think you've got to give the pilot at least a round to see how crazy this dude is, um, to see how how difficult this guy is to lock on, and you, you're, you're just you spend a round just going, why can't I get you in my sights? Um, one thing I might want to consider doing is, since they are in ties, try doing the gain the advantage against the the YT thirteen hundred. That way, the even if so, if you succeed with gain the advantage. Um, the PC's ship couldn't attack you either. And then in the subsequent rounds, then it can just be, okay, well, great. Gain the advantage isn't an attack, so the, the, the pilot could at least do that for a round or two, possibly survive long enough to realize, hey, wait a second, I'm just not going to get this guy. I need to get some distance, watch what's going on, and maybe figure out a way to attack. Um, like I said, I don't think it's necessarily metagaming to... Uh, it's not metagaming overall to have the pilot bug out and do that. But I think to make it so that a PC's not going to cry foul, you got to give him a round or, or two to, to realize the situation he's in. You know, that, that whole crazy maneuvering thing, maybe he's like, okay, maybe he's just trying this thing one round. You know, what, what the hell's going on here? And then he sees the the evasion pattern that this guy's got and you know, like I'm not going to be able to get him from here I need to let me circle around and come at him from a different angle and then maybe figure out something so I think really the only problem that you had was that you had it happen immediately no 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 analyzing at all no I mean sure you give him the chance to have suicide by PC but I don't think that's going to be the case either because in playing the opposite side of the whole metagame card your gunners are going to say, okay, we really don't have to worry about that guy. Let's take care of the guys who can kill us first. So did you guys see the movie Captain, not Captain Phillips, the movie... Um, Captain Nemo, um, Captain Nemo, Captain S- Kangaroo, Captain... Sully. Captain Crunch. Um, no, no I, I, you, I didn't see Sully. I didn't see Sully, no. Um, all right, well, at the risk of spoiling a little bit of the movie... 
the you know what it's about, right? Yeah. Okay, so I mean the 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 story is a true story, so you can't really spoil it. But the the plane took bird strikes; both engines were out. Right. Well, the movie takes more of a cinematic uh, dramatization of the NTSB hearings, and the NTSB comes up with in the movie comes up with alternate scenarios where the bird strike happens and the pilots immediately turn back to the airport and they're able to land the plane. And it makes you yeah. think, wow, Sully made the bad choice. But it was because they were metagaming. It was because they, oh, bird strike, get back to the airport. Yeah. They did not do what the humans would have done, was bird strike. All right, let's go through the checklist. Are the engines running? No. Can we restart the engine? No. Can we start the backup generator? Yes. Does the engine start now? No. By that time, you've wasted 30 seconds. So then they yeah. then they go back and they say, all right, let's wait 30 seconds before you turn back to the airport. And then they all crashed. <laughs> so that's that's what I mean by the one round. Do the human things that you would do. Don't just pull them straight out of combat. Yeah. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I also really like the suggestion of gain the advantage. Um, additionally, people forget about the assist maneuver, which is totally viable in combat. And true, you, oh, can't, yeah. you can't attack people. But this guy could stay in combat and spending maneuvers to assist his allies too, and that's and go full defensive and go and go full defensive, and that's that's something else to do. I, you know, <clears throat> but considering considering the situation and the fact that these guys were flying cloaked ties, I mean, if you at once you have, but I agree with you guys having a round or two where you know he he spends a wasted round like like he tries to shoot you and realizes that you just he just can't get a line of sight on you, just that one or one or two rounds of doing that before he bugs out will really kind of nip any PC grumbling in the bud because it's obvious that, that they've had an effect with the talent and it's one of those, okay, well, he, he's a rival. He realized that he, he's a bit outmatched, but it took him a, it took him a round or two to realize that. Um, yeah. But I mean, yeah, yeah I, I think these are good suggestions that have been said. So on the whole, I, I think what we're saying, uh, Kareth, is that you didn't, it was okay for him to bug out, but, uh, maybe you should have waited a round or two before you did that in order to validate the talent because it's a very expensive talent. Give it some use and some validation. And then, quite frankly, there's some probably more creative things you could have done to have kept him in the fight still, um, especially through the use of some some additional uh, uh, pilot actions and maneuvers that, that could have been done. But you know. But I will say, space combat is still hard. It's, it's, yeah, it's hard it's, to keep all the options dude, that you could possibly do straight. It, it, it is. It is. So... The, one of the few things about the system that I, I wish could be streamlined a bit more was space combat. So, yeah. so it's it's there. Don't beat yourself up over it. <laughs> um, okay, next we have our first calling question for the night uh, from GM Peter about brass knuckles and the disorient quality. And I'm going to play it now, and we'll see you guys on the other side in about one minute. Hi there, this is GM Peter calling for the Order 66 podcast. The reason I'm calling in is because in my group, I have a Wookiee brawler who has taken a shining to Brass Knuckles, and they're great, and he loves them, but the question is, when he's using them, the, the it has Disorient 3, and per the raw, it says that it can be, it, the effect can be extended with subsequent hits, meaning that um, each turn he hits them, um, he's disoriented for three extra rounds. Um, the question that came up, though, is if it's um, consecutive rounds, like he hits them 
a second time and then a third time in a row, does he have those extra setback dice tacked onto it, or is he only extending the effect? Um, the way I thought it was is I added on another setback because the idea was a punch, uh, a Wookiee repeatedly punching you in the head is probably going to disorient you more. But per the raw, I wasn't sure, and that's why I wanted to ask. Thank you guys very much, and I never listen to the Order 66 podcast. Oh, well, thank you for the question. And we never, and I obviously never listened to the Order 66 podcast either. Um, right. Obviously not. Obviously not. Um, so this is a good question. Um, brass knuckles are kind of a fan fave weapon uh, found on mm. page 166 of the Edge of the Empire core rulebook, and it's in the other core rulebooks as well. Um, aside from just being easy to conceal um, and doling out an extra point of damage for Brawl, they also present the Disorient 3 quality. Uh, Disorient is found on page 156 of that same said Edge of the Empire core rulebook, and when activated with 2 advantage, imposes the Disoriented Condition, which is basically a black setback dice uh, on all of the target's checks, in this case, for 3 rounds. Woohoo! Yeah. Uh, but the condition of disoriented is actually elaborated on much further on in the book on page 218, uh, where the rules really get into the details. Uh, and in there, your question really is answered, dude. Um, in that section, the rules clearly state that, and I quote, if a character is disoriented multiple times, each instance increases the total duration of the effect by the instance's specified duration. Um, though, of course, not past the current encounter. So, I mean, this is pretty clear, bro. I mean, per the rules is written, per the raw, setback dice from Disoriented don't stack. Um, for hey, wait, wait, wait. Yeah. Uh, Jurassic Park is on, and Dennis Nedry's over here going, uh-uh-uh, uh-uh-uh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Just don't do it. Just don't do it, dude. Just, just don't do it. Just, just don't do it. They, 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 the only way, the only way multiple disorient stack is in terms of further rounds of duration. So if your Wookiee, uh, with his fetish for brass knuckles were to hit a stormtrooper and activate disorient, it would last three rounds. If he hit again and activated disorient, it just adds another three rounds to the full length of the effect. Now guys, what about house ruling this? Because as he said, that's what he's been doing as, as he's come to discover. He's been huh. stacking on extra setback dice. I mean, would you guys, do you guys think this is an okay house rule? I mean, would you, would you, would you do uh, it? Let me, would let you? me, <clears throat> let me channel Dennis Nedry again. Uh, 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 okay. So let, let me, let me give you this. Let me give you this. I want my little Wookiee guy with a 25 credit cost, zero rarity, non-restricted item to hit a nemesis three times and give him three setback dice for three rounds. Yeah. No, sorry. Plus, it just gets into some really weird um, bookkeeping. It's like, okay, Disorient 1 runs out next round. Disorient 2 is lasting the round after that, and we just apply Disorient number 3. It's maths. Yeah, yeah. And and it does it it makes sense just to just keep it simple. I mean, you're you're applying the disoriented condition. Um, so think about it that way. I mean, if you really want to screw them over even further on top of that. Spend the extra advantage on applying another setback die to him, you know? Yeah, but so not that next for, round yeah. he's got two setback dice, one from the disorient, one from your your at uh, your actions. Yeah. And that's you, you point out the way to think about it. The the disoriented quality, although it's not really worded this way, you kinda of have to dig into that later passage. It applies the disoriented condition. 
and you can't a person can't suffer from the same condition with the same effects twice when right. you when you get hit twice it just extends the duration of that condition and that condition is one setback die so yeah, yeah. um <clears throat> it's there uh so lastly uh we have another calling question tonight from Austin Catan who is who is uh, actually uh, in chat and curious about a talent from the Soros who defender tree. And I will play it now and we'll see you guys in about a minute. Hey guys, this is uh, Austin Katan. This is a question for the other six, six podcast. So I was looking over the Cerise defender tree and the name of the exact talent uh, gives my mind right now. And I'm sorry for that, but uh, bottom tier 25 XP talent. Allows you to roll your force die with a lightsaber check to single someone out. My question about that is, how does this not have overlap with the uh, faded duel signature ability that was in keeping the peace? They, they seem to do very much the same thing, and I'm sure it's different somehow, but I'm just not seeing it. All right. Well, hope you guys answer this, and uh, I never listen. Take care. All right. Um, another good question. So let's start by taking a look at the talent in question and then the signature ability. Um, the talent, which is called Strategic Form, by the way, uh, is a bottom tier uh, Sorosu Defender talent uh, detailed on page 152 of the Force and Destiny Core rulebook, and it's pretty sick. Um, in a nutshell, while you're wielding a lightsaber, you can make a hard lightsaber intellect check, which you have to have, you obviously use Sorosu technique to do. Um, along with a force dice check. And each success on the check lets you affect one target within short range. Uh, until the end of the next round, those targets that are affected can only make combat checks if those t- combat checks target you. And force points can be spent to extend the effect of the round. That's the, the, the duration of the effect by a round. Um, and that's pretty sweet. Uh, but how does this compare to the Guardian's signature ability... Um, of Faded Duel, um, which is found on page 35 of Keeping the Peace. Um, Phil, you're pretty, you're, you're a signature ability expert here, man. I mean, can you sure. w- talk to us about Faded Duel here? All right, Faded Duel can be accessed directly from strategic form, and this signature ability is very much an advanced version of it, but with different criteria for activation and some subtle yet very important benefits. Uh, so once per session, when in combat, you can single out and challenge another character, and this costs two destiny points and a hard discipline check to activate. If successful, you and the challenged foe are locked in a cinematic duel, only able to affect each other with combat checks for three rounds. First big difference. But the biggest difference is that you dig into the signature ability is that no one else can target you or the challenged foe during this time period, or uh, during, the, or even intervene. In essence, this allows the hero to boldly wade into an army and challenge the leader without fearing that the peons are going to take pot shots at him during the fight. This is the major differentiator here, and it's what makes Fated Duel a true signature ability. So, uh, uh, uh God, where, what just lost the name? Uh, Strategic form, I'm sorry, I lost the name in there, sorry. Strategic form basically turns you into a tank in the classic MMO sense. You taunt your foes, and they're all attacking you. you you're getting as many as much attention as you can, trying to have them attack you so that you can hold them off. Faded Duel is 
you calling out one big bad guy and saying, you, me, right here, right now, no one interferes. And no one can. Yeah. So not only is it, it's not a, it's not a tanking ability. It's a, I'm removing this threat from combat and dealing with it myself for a few rounds. You guys take care of everything else. To me, this is the quintessential drop in from the catwalk. Hello there. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. This is, is Obi Wan dropping in on General Grievous, and nobody else takes a pot shot at Obi Wan. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and that, that's that's the big difference. One of them is about getting all the all the as many attackers as you can to focus on you. The signature ability is about removing a threat from the board. You you're removing yourself and a threat from the board for a period of time. Here's and, another thing. You use strategic form when you're in a group. You use faded duel when you're alone. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> or you can. You can. But the fact that yeah. no one else can target you is is the or or your uh, your opponent is I think the huge thing. Also, I'd like to point out that unlike strategic form, you can enhance faded with duel. With oh, yeah. with all those tons of upgrades beneath it, I mean there there's some that you know you can inspire your allies when you use it. There's some that give you like uh, 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 improved wound thresholds during the faded duel stuff like that. Um, so there's a lot of really kind of badass things you can do with faded duel that you can't do with strategic form if you're willing to even spend more XP into it. Right. So that's the uh, those are the big differentiators. But it's a, it's a good question because the two are very similar. Um, and as you point out, Phil, the way the, the way, the way Faded Duel sits, those brackets under the tree, you can actually, like, like, uh, uh, strategic form is, is that bottom tier talent that can then allow you to access Faded Duel. So it's, it's, they're they're very complementary of each other, but they are different in some very key ways. Yeah. Use them totally different ways. There we go. Well, good questions. Hmm. And now, Gamer Nation, we come to the end of our sultry little broadcast. Um, really good topic tonight, guys. I had a lot of fun with our builds. Um, I hope you did, too. Uh, oh, yes. Oh, yes. So, um, Gamer Nation, uh, again, get to the Facebook, get to the forums, and vote. Uh, we're anxious to know who you thought uh, was the best build of the night. Um, and, you know, while you're doing that, just if you're not already, become a member of the Gamer Nation. Head to d20radio.com slash forums, register, post your mind, leave us a liner and tell us why you never listen to the Order 66 podcast. Um, email us, uh, GM Chris, GM Phil, or GM Dave at d20radio.com, and phone us with a question or maybe a liner, tell us why you never listen to the Order 66 podcast at 262-D20-RADIO, that's 262-320-7234. Um, our very next episode is going to be either early or late, because... I think Dave and I are both, uh, I think you're in danger of traveling, and I am certainly traveling on the 16th. <laughs> mm. um, so we may do it uh, maybe a little earlier, uh, maybe a little later, uh, but keep your eyes glued to uh, Twitter, at D20 Radio, as well as the Facebook uh, page for the Order 66 podcast and the D20 Radio group. We will announce the next date and showtime and try to keep it on a two-week, or worst case, three-week schedule um, right. out there. Uh, so we'll let you guys know. And I think... Based at least on our, um, you know, because obviously we don't have a new book to discuss, uh, or at least if, even if we get one match in our hands, we won't be ready to talk about it in two weeks' time. Sure. Um, I think based on, on customer requests, are we are we heading back into our, our new segment of The Force Will Be With You? That's what I was thinking. 
Yeah. I was thinking we uh, we talk about influence. Yeah, it's been pretty heavily requested, and uh, you guys really seem to enjoy that episode. We got a ton of comments on it, um, and a lot of a lot of great discussion um, on the page and on the forum. So we want to continue that. So look forward to that, guys. Gamer Nation, thank you all for tuning in. This is GM Chris wishing you peace, love, and good gaming. And may the dice be with you. Keep the dice rolling. This podcast and related website are not endorsed by Lucasfilm Limited, the Walt Disney Corporation, 20th Century Fox, or Fantasy Flight Games. It is intended for educational and informational purposes only. Star Wars, the Star Wars logo, all names, pictures, or references to any Star Wars vehicles, characters, or other Star Wars related items are registered trademarks of Lucasfilm Limited, Fantasy Flight Games, or their respective trademark or copyright holders. All original content of this podcast, including any audio, visual, or textual information, is the intellectual property of the Order 66 podcast and the Gamer Nation LLC. to bang on the drum all day. All day. <laughs> all day. All day. Ah, uh, a little bit of time for post-show. Um, yeah. I'm still juiced after watching the Cowboys, although it's not a great feat. Um, although I was scared for about a quarter. Uh, kicked the crap out of the 49ers. There you go. So, maybe kicking the crap is a strong word. Soundly have a good game and achieve a W against the San Francisco 49ers. <laughs> <laughs> um, <clears throat> it certainly wasn't uh, it certainly wasn't the uh, crap kicking beat down that the Patriots uh, game saw. <laughs> 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 yeah. yeah. He says as he jabs the Bostonian. Uh, <laughs> eh, what can you do? It, uh, I, I look at it... <sighs> It wasn't a great day for anyone in New England because uh, <laughs> even uh, Big Poppy lost his last game. Oh yeah, yeah. And David Ortiz, Big Poppy, retired. Uh, is re- today was his last uh, regular season game. Had these great festivities, huge tribute to Poppy. We're renaming a bridge and a street after the guy, and we lose two to one. Oh wow! Uh, but hey. We still get more baseball. We get October baseball, at least for a little while. Who knows how, who knows, God willing, yeah, how far I mean, we'll get. Boston won the East, so. Yep, yep. We're playing the Indians, which has our old coach, uh, Terry Francona, the guy who got us, who, who coached us in 2000, who was manager in 2004 and 2007 for those World Series trips. So, should be interesting. You know, there was a possibility of a three-way tie. Yeah. And- yeah, but and it, and it just worked out. No tiebreakers, no nothing. Just uh, you know, just Orioles and Blue Jays, and you guys in the and the Cleveland. Yeah. And then Texas Folks. gets to take on the uh, Oriole Blue Jay winner. Yep. Yep. So focused on uh, 
focused on on that and on next week when we when we're on to Cleveland and uh, actually wow everyone's going to Cleveland next weekend Sox and the Patriots and uh, Patriots are getting back uh, getting back Brady yeah I know finally <laughs> four game suspension <clears throat> yes hey we did better than we thought we would then than everyone feared we would and we went three and, and one and, with and some of us hoped you would <laughs> <laughs> Fine, fine. Here's your suspension. We're still three and one. <laughs> yep. There's that. You, you know that. I don't know what movie it's from, but it's been spoofed so many times. It's that Hitler in a bunker scene. Oh yeah. And and Boston Sports has redone that to have Hitler be Roger Goodell. <laughs> it's like, well, at least we're willing. At least uh, at least uh, these folks will take care of them. And, and then said, so, but sir, they lost. To, they lost to the New England Patriots. Hitler just sits there and says, "Everyone who is not involved in the Deflate Gate, uh, in the Deflate, uh, oh God, what was it? In the Deflate Gate, uh, uh, um, in, in the Deflate Gate uh, uh, setup, get out of the room." <laughs> what do you mean they lost? They lost, sir. What the hell? <laughs> F the Jets. <laughs> it just ends with him screaming, "F the Jets." Downfall was the movie. Yes, downfall. Yes, downfall, downfall. Okay, so okay. Speaking of downfall, so that that's become such a big meme, right? And it's and and they do they do the the oh, Hitler yeah. scene for, for everything. I actually saw a German interview of the actor who played uh, Adolf Hitler in that film, um, where they're asking him about that and like interviewing him about the meme, and he he's 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 very lukewarm about it. <laughs> like very, this is his greatest work. It's, yeah, because because it's like at first he was like he thought it was a horror because he's like you know as an actor you know this is such a seminal role and it was a pivotal role and it was so amazing and I poured so much into it and then to see this happen to it it's really disturbing but you know he said he said that was my first reaction after a couple of years I'm kind of like you know what at least it's still getting press at least <laughs> at least at least <laughs> at least, at least it was powerful enough for you know to, for people but when people first told me about it I was like it's a what it's a what what what's a meme he's like his kids had to explain <laughs> it to him yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. Kind of, kind of interesting. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So, I don't know. What else did you want to talk about in post? You mentioned something you wanted to talk about during post. Oh, that was me. That was... Addy. So, do you remember... No, no, no. AD, I was talking about eighty because we, ab- the U.S. absolutely killed the uh, Europeans at the Ryder Cup this weekend. Yeah, we yeah so the the golf thing but um the uh, the the thing that took me the uh entirety of the weekend to overcome was so you remember about a month ago when um Oklahoma state uh got beaten when the referee called for an extra play and they shouldn't have against a, a little team called Central Michigan. Basically, a, um, Oklahoma State got called for intentional grounding, and the referee crew said the play cannot end on that foul, and so uh, the game cannot end on that foul, and so they gave Central Michigan one untimed down. Central Michigan threw a Hail Mary, caught the ball, lateral it, scored a touchdown, and won the game. And then the referee, you know, the referee committee and all that came in and said, nope, that was a mistake, but we're not changing the outcome of the game. Oh, yeah, yeah, I remember that, yeah. Okay, so this just happened. Well, Saturday in Savannah, Georgia, 
something similar happened to my daughter's soccer team at the, with 10 seconds left to go in the game. The, uh, they committed a foul and the other team was given a free kick. Well, the laws of the game, and I used to actually, I used to be a referee instructor back in the day, but the laws of the game regarding a restart are such that there are two kinds of restarts, a fast restart or a ceremonial restart. And when, when like players are crowding the ball and they ask for the 10 yards of space, the referee points at his whistle and says on the whistle. And that's a ceremonial restart. The, the attacking team cannot kick the ball or begin play without the whistle blowing. The defense sets up and then the whistle blows and the play starts. So the referee said on the whistle with 10 seconds to go and our girls start to get their defense set. Well, Armstrong state kicks the ball. The ball is in the air. The referee blows his whistle while the ball is in the air. And Wait. so the players stop playing. And the ball hits one of our players and goes into the goal. The referee awards a goal and the game ends. Oh. Ah. Oh. And the, the, it's, it's very, very clear in the laws of the game regarding inadvertent whistles that if the referee blows his whistle during play, the play has to stop and then get restarted. Yeah. With a drop ball at the position of whoever had the ball when the whistle blew. The referee wouldn't do that. And the coaches obviously were going insane because the game was tied and this actually made them lose the game. Right. And... And this was not, I mean, this was a Central Michigan OSU kind of thing because, you know, our little girls team is, is just, you know, they're not, they're not highly regarded. They're playing the number one team in the conference. Yeah. And it just, it, it, it set, it set my entire day on fire yesterday. I was pissed off at everybody. I was irritable. And I, I mean, I went so far as to track down the Twitter accounts of the referee and blow them up on Twitter for being stupid. And, and actually looked up and sent our coach who I, who I kind of know, I sent him the exact verbiage with the NCAA that would allow, would have allowed him to protest the game because the NCAA has a, has a, um, has a rule about the misapplication of the law. If, you know, if it happens during a soccer game and, uh, the problem is they that you know, the school is, is two States away. It, it's in, incredible time inconvenience for a game that on paper they should never have been in, you know, they should not have won. And so, you know, the, the coach has to weigh, you know, is he going to make his team play three games in six days against an, an opponent that is clearly better than they are, you know, at, at the risk of losing two other conference games because of that, or just take the bad call, you know, it's a sports thing, you know, bad calls happen. Yeah. So, I don't. I don't know what he's going to do Monday morning. Is you know they have to if they're going to challenge it, they would challenge challenge it on Monday. But I was so pissed. I was just, you know, I guess I, I truly wouldn't have understood it unless somebody from Oklahoma State, you know, would have explained it to me. And plus, you know, I, you know, I was the one that got the phone call from my daughter who was just flat pissed. You know, asking me. He's she was like, you used to teach referee school. That's wrong, isn't it? I'm like, damn straight, it's wrong. Hmm. 
So they lost one to nothing, and just they had played they had played such a remarkable game. And part of me, you know, of course, being a dad, just makes me even more pissed than just being a fan. But um, yeah. So anyway. Ah. So anyway, yep. Remy Ajasa, that's the guy. If you guys have him as a referee, tell him that he sucks. <laughs> Who is this guy? Who is this man? Why I mean, I was I was on a crusade. I looked up the center referee. I looked up the assistant re- the assistant referees, and I blew them up on Twitter too for not not challenging the call. Yeah. You know, at, at college, you know, the, the the kids running around on the soccer field right now that are that are that do games for other kids are are what they call grade nine and grade eight referees. It goes up from nine to one. And when I was when I was out of college, I got up to a grade seven and was was getting ready to go to a grade six. And those are the guys that are state referees that would that would do, um, you know, I did, you know, 19 year old games for competitive teams, you know, in club soccer and all that stuff. But but, um, you know, it takes a grade six or a grade five to play to to referee a college game and then a grade four to do like an MLS game. And then grade ones and twos are the guys you see with their FIFA badges on doing the World Cups. But, um, you know, this guy had to be at least a five, you know, maybe even a, maybe even a four and he just flat screwed it up and you just don't see it at that level. Dude. Anyway, that was my, that was my soapbox. Well, that sucketh. Hmm. That sucketh. Do you want something good to brighten your day? Sure. So I've been meaning to pimp this out on the show for a while, um, but uh, and those in chat can see I'm holding a a book in my hand. It's a, a soft cover role playing book that I kickstarted a while ago, and the role playing game is called Pasts, Personas, and Prophecies. All right, um, and it's a it's a it's a a slim little you know sixty pager, uh, beautifully produced with some really great art. Um, fantasy style. It's very story focused and story driven RPG. Um, produced by actually one of uh, and, and kickstarted by one of our long time Gamer Nation members, like since back from the saga days, um, uh, Hunter Fox. Um, and I'm I'm staring here at the cover uh, on the title page of the book, and um, we have this special thanks to section, like you know the authors do, right? Um, and he thanks you know uh, a supporter here and a supporter there. And right above Monty Cook, he thanks Christopher Witt, David Viegas, and Phil Majewski of the Order 66 podcast for their insightful thoughts on game design and their development of the list for better combat encounters. Dude, that's cool. Wow. Um, Additionally, uh, in the example of play section in the book, as I'm going through this, um... On page 48, Dave is on the example page uh, on 52, and Phil is um, on page 47 in the example page. <laughs> um, I love this. Uh, yeah, it's at the start of GM Phil's next game session, one of his players, Gabriel, rolls up, blah, blah, blah. Um, so, uh, yeah. Um, and Hunter actually wrote me a nice note when he sent the book out thanking us um uh for really just 
and the podcast for inspiring him in his gaming career. And it was a really, uh, really pretty awesome shout out to get in a, a published fantasy RPG, um, which is actually a really great read. And I'd really kind of like to get on the table. I might do that for our next, um, our next. What is oh, smell like, I smell yeah. Patreon. Yeah. Uh, the game is called Pasts, Personas, and Prophecies. I'm going to have to look that up. Very alliteration heavy. Yes, yes. Pasts, Personas, and Prophecies. Um, uh, poor guy had... He, he got delayed by months and months on his delivery. He actually... Every backer actually got two copies of the game because the first copy that he got sent back from the printer, the graphics were all jacked up. So uh, somehow getting past proof, they produced a full set of these copies and of all the books and all of the images, all the picture graphics are basically pixelated low res. Oh, uh, yeah. And so I don't even want to know what kind of headache he had to go through getting all that resolved, but he basically got a full reprint done with the proper quality on the images, on the graphics. And... So everyone got two copies of the book. One of them has horrible graphics in it. <laughs> um, but I thought that was that was pretty interesting. Uh, but yeah, Pasts, Personas, and Prophecies um, by Hunter Fox. So uh, check this out. Very cool. And so there you go, Dave. You've been personified in a role-playing book. All right, dude. Woohoo! Dude, it was like page 52 is, is Dave's example. Let me see this here. Um, All right, I'm gonna have to get this now. GM Dave's right? GM Dave's group of adventurers have stumbled into the lair of a giant <laughs> 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 to create a giant NPC for his players to face. GM Dave starts off by setting his NPC razor rating five adversary with a rating of five. GM Dave's giant. Has... <laughs> That's funny. Yeah, it's pretty good stuff, man. It's pretty good stuff. So I thought I would share uh, past personas and prophecies. Pretty good. Um, <clears throat> dude, that's cool. See, yeah, and and I I, uh, I put up on Facebook earlier that I was I was finally done with the whole being upset about the game, and um, one of the players one of the players was like, "I'm not a, I'm I'm still upset about the game," and and so I told her, "Hey, you know, let your anger turn and use it for something useful." And then I immediately got accused by a listener of the podcast of turning her to the dark side. <laughs> Use your anger. <laughs> Good. Good. In Let, fact, it was Wes that accused me of recruiting for the dark side. Let your anger flow through you. <laughs> Good. <laughs> In fact, you know, this the whole soccer team has listened to at least part of our show because uh, uh, when three of them were over here... Four of them were over here over the summer. Uh, they visited from Georgia and Alabama and Mississippi. And uh, while they were here, Taylor told them about the podcast and her voice being at the beginning. And so then they had to listen to some of it. So it's really funny. They all had to hear Taylor do her little D20 radio thing. <laughs> very nice. Very nice. Very nice, sir. The NASA. Okay, so I was I'm trying to find this damn book. Where is hey, it? Hey, did y'all see Deepwater Horizon? It just came out on Friday. Seen what now? No. Who? Who? What? Deepwater Where? Horizon, Marky Mark. 
No, but I did see uh, the the new uh, Magnificent Seven. Oh, oh, I want to see that. Was it was it yeah, good? Was it good? It it was good. It was good. It's the theme and the name are the same. Different characters, slightly different scenario, but it works. Yeah, it works well, and I I really enjoyed it. I thought it was great, dude. Okay, so um, Brev went on a a rewatch binge recently of the entire series of the Next Generation. Okay, yeah, like all seven seasons. I was like, okay, and then there's this documentary called Chaos on the Bridge. It's like less than an hour. And William Shatner uh, wrote and directed and produced it. And basically, it's the story of the making of the Next Generation television show. Huh. And, like, how insane it was and how it almost died and didn't happen and the crazy craziness of Gene Roddenberry and his cadre and stuff like that. Okay. Um, and it's totally worth watching. But it got me thinking, like, like you know, anytime I want to throw down, throw down like, a Star Trek RPG... You know, I always go to Lasers and Feelings because it's the best Star Trek RPG I've ever played, even though it's not a Star Trek RPG. <laughs> Wait a second. How can there not be a Star Trek RPG? Oh, there's been many Star Trek RPGs. So There's actually a new one coming out next year. That's yeah. what I thought. I thought there was another reboot coming. Yeah, and maybe it'll break the curse because I, I, re- I, reached, I reached to my shelf and I'm holding a copy in my hand right now of the Star Trek The Next Generation RPG uh, published in 1998 by, I think it was Last Unicorn? <laughs> yeah, that sounds right. Um, and... I was like, oh man, <coughs> it's like, it's been 10 plus years since I've even looked at this. Let's, man, maybe, maybe I can run a one-off game. And so I started reading and what a piece of shit. <laughs> like, I'm angry because this is, this is, this is a well-produced book. I mean, the, I'm not too big on the graphic styling. It all is made to look like the, the, data pads and computer monitors uh, on the on the next generation television show but like sure. i'm like god what an obtuse awful imbalanced confusing set of rules it's like right. it's like it's like the excitement of the next generation with chartered accountancy the role playing game i'm just it's just staggeringly bad staggeringly wow. bad i'm just I'm I'm just thinking about like realistically, and I'm, I'm you, you take a look at the character sheets, and they're they're like really simple in one page, but the crap it asks you to record and know about. I'm like, I'm like. <sighs> so you know what I'm most looking forward to by this by this uh, game that's coming out next year. Hmm. It's using the same engine that uh, Mutant Chronicles. Third edition is using, ah, which was designed by Jay Little. Yeah, yeah, the two D twenty system. So I'm, I, I, I've immediately got buy-in. <laughs> like you, sir, have sold me. Yeah, I haven't, I haven't seen, I haven't played, I don't even know the two D twenty system. Was like, oh wait, Jay Little made it. Yeah, sign me up. Sign, get, copy, give now. Yeah, I, I take. Ugh. Okay, so for show titles, we've had the suggestions of Jane has got a gun. Yep. Um, there's also uh, the, been in, in chat the idea of podcast at high noon, which is is not bad. Hmm, that's not bad. That's not bad. That's not bad. What do you what do you what are you guys thinking for a show title on this? 
podcast at high noon at the OK Corral. <laughs> no. I like Jana's Got a Gun, personally, but... I can't, call, I, I can't think of anything better. Okay, show title it is. Jana's Got a Gun. Uh, all right, we've had seven seconds of silence, boys. Do you guys have anything else you want to talk about in post-show? Uh, well, I think I I, I got to get going soon. So, what will you got, uh, Dave? Oh, nothing. There's um, there's a, a new season of um, of a show on ABC called Once Upon a Time. Oh, it's a good show. I love it. I'm behind, but I enjoy it. Okay, so, um. Once upon a time, uh, now season six, will feature a new character called named Mister Hyde. Mister Hyde is played by guesses. Yeah. Oh wait, is this Sammy's? Yeah, Sam. Yeah, I heard Sammy got a Sammy got a role. Yep. Yep. Nice. On network television, no less. Uh-huh. Yeah. There you go. That's how it's done. Get after it, buddy. Big time. Get it done. Yeah. That's how it's done. Yep. That's how it's done right there. That's how it's done. <laughs> so. And he was good. He was good in uh, yesterday's episode of Rebels too. Oh, don't don't tell me. I'm I've, I've been traveling. I'm behind. Don't tell me. I'm just gonna say it's got Maul in it. So. I know. I know. I know. I know. Like I, the holocrons of fate. Uh, all right, so okay, before next week, before next episode, both of you need to get caught up on Luke Cage so we can talk about that. All right, okay. Luke Cage. I am, I am, I am, yeah, dude, I am, I am so, yeah. It, it's like, I don't, I don't know yet if it's going to be as good as Jessica Jones, um, or season one of Daredevil, but I am very much enjoying it, um, and also really enjoying it despite the fact that I'm very aware that I am not the target audience. <laughs> And uh, this is Netflix, right? Correct. Well, apparently, okay. so big it broke Netflix. How so? All right. Well, I guess I'll take a. I mean, I I just finished Narcos, so. Well, okay. Have you? Well, okay. Before you do it, have you watched Jessica Jones or the Daredevil? Daredevil, yes. Jessica Jones, no. Then you need to watch Jessica Jones before you watch this, or it won't make any sense. Oh, okay. Um, because Luke Cage is a major part of Jessica Jones, and he was yeah. he was all in that season, so. And then he basically, he basically gets a spinoff and you need to watch Jessica Jones because it's amazing and you will really like it and it will, it'll blow, it'll, it'll blow you away. All right. So watch Jessica Jones. So, all right, you got, you got, you got two, two weeks or more, Dave, to watch Jessica Jones and then watch, then watch, you know, uh, you know, do do, do an episode a night, two episodes a night. You'll probably do because it's really, really good. (laughs) All right. (laughs) Right, but just power, power through it, bro. It's it's and and you're, you're I, I will say, especially in the, in the area of Jessica Jones, your wife will enjoy Jessica Jones, um, just because it's it's very character focused. It's very good, even though it's superhero-y. That's not really the point, um, and totally, totally worth it. But no, I've been I've been impressed with Luke Cage. I'm four episodes in, and I'm like, oh wow, this is really good. So, yeah. But the, the but you need to watch Jessica Jones for nothing else uh, but for David Tennant. Mm. 
Okay. All right. Yeah. I I I, see, I just looked it up, and yes, sure enough, uh, Netflix crashed, and a lot of people are blame, blaming Jessica Jones and Luke Cage. Yeah. Is it back on now, or did it just crash for a period of time? I think it's back. I think it just it's back. Yeah. It just wow. Yeah. Hmm. Hmm. Okay. Okay. All right then. I'll let you guys go so that you can watch Luke Cage and or Jessica Jones. <laughs> <laughs> All right, gentlemen. Good night, Gamer Nation. And good luck.